Education was not simply another part of American society. It was the key that opened the golden door. Education, you learn how to learn. We must trust, we must trust students to learn if given the chance. To learn if given the chance. where we're going to be talking about all things education, having to do with parents, students, teachers, policy, kind of whatever is happening in the news and what's relevant in the world today. This is episode six. Can't believe we're already on number six, getting better each time. I am one of your hosts, Karen Greenhouse, and we have our other host, Tim Pope. How you doing? Number six, my goal is that we get to 180, so we have a big party like on the 180th podcast of 180 days. 180, we have, we, have a long way, we have a long way to go. So today's focus is on homework. And I actually was rather surprised when I was doing my research on some of the things I found out about homework. And I'm guessing you were the same because you sent me a little cryptic note yesterday. This is going to be interesting. So I'm curious to see what you found. Yeah, I think my two words. So we want to do this podcast in 10 seconds. The answer would be, it depends. I was thinking the same thing because we had, that was our big word, uh, our big phrase last time. And it's the same. It does depend. But okay, I have, I found a trivia question because one of my curious questions that I was trying to find out is when did this idea of homework actually start? And there is actually someone credited with creating homework and actually kind of creating the whole traditional structure of school with grades and bells and putting seats in rows and columns. Do you know who that is? I have no idea, but I know that now if you say this out loud, there will be students across America that will throw darts at a picture of this point. <laughs> it's not a person that anybody likes. It actually started in Germany, 1814, and I know I'm going to say his name terribly wrong. Johann Gottlieb Fichte, and he basically started this whole idea of schools as sort of an assembly line to keep the state in line, to keep the people in the country in line. And homework was a way to demonstrate that the state had power over personal and family time. And I thought that was so interesting. So that was like 1814, and then Horace Mann, who started the common school up in Maine, I believe it was, um, he went to Prussia and got the idea from him and brought it back to America. So it's really kind of Horace Mann who brought it back to America, this idea of homework and assembly line education. So that was trivia of the day. Homework had a beginning and it was to control us, which is kind of sad. I, didn't, I did not know that. But I think there are a lot of people that still feel that is its purpose. So maybe that's our first question. What is the purpose of homework? So this is where the whole it depends thing comes in. I mean, I, I, mean, I talk about this all, even before we researched this episode. And when I do professional development around the textbooks that my company publishes, and people ask, like, how much homework should I assign? What are good homework problems to assign? My answer is always, well, it depends. What do you want to happen from homework? Are you looking for practice? Are you looking for kids to learn? Are you looking to do an assessment? I mean, there are, there are many things that homework could be. So what do you want it to be? And then that answers the question, should you, how long should it be? It's what is the goal? So you were a teacher. When you taught, what, what was your goal? Like, why did you give homework? Well, you know, I was thinking about that because I know when I first started, I was doing what I was modeled when I was a student teacher. And that person literally would open the book and tonight we're doing all the even numbers. So his purpose was we have to assign homework. So we'll just assign problems that go with it. So I know that when I started teaching, that's how I sort of did homework. 
let's do the odd ones. Let's pick the ones that don't have the answer in the back of the book so the kids can't, you know, cheat or whatever. But then as I progressed, it became more, why do I want students to do homework? And especially when I was teaching geometry, I may only have assigned one problem, but it was a problem that forced them to use several different theorems. You know, I'm just thinking of a, a problem that was a circle with all these different angles inside the circle where they had to use their triangle theorems, they had to use their inscribed angles. So it stopped being a numbers game, like how many, and more of a, I want them to apply what they're learning and this will show me if they really can. So you did have an assessment element to it in terms of using homework. Sure, Okay. but I will say, that's one of the questions that I asked is, do you grade homework? And for me, I did not grade homework. Mainly, I like to say it's because I was a lazy teacher. I, I don't wanna collect everybody's homework. You know, you have 150 kids, I'm not collecting your homework every day. That's ridiculous. So homework for me was more, did you do it? And so they got a completion check more than anything else. It was not a grade, but I know that differs for every teacher. So I was similar. I did it for completion, but I didn't collect it every day. The kids had notebooks in class that would have investigations, lessons from class, and then that's also where they would do their homework. And then first period, every Monday, they would turn in their notebook, and then I would flip through them, but it was a completion thing. I didn't grade them. I didn't put comments on them. Homework had no assessment value for me or the students at all. It was really just an amount of accountability. All right, have you spent the time to do this? Right, and when you went home and did this, could you do it? And if not, come back into class with those questions. So yeah, I would say that's definitely how I evolved. I evolved into that. And again, that's a perception because like some of the research I read, I think it was the uh, ASCD, so Association of Supervisors of Curriculum and Development, they listed like these five perceptions. And one perception is that good teachers give homework and good students do homework, which if you think about it, that is sort of a very pervasive um, perception. If you don't do homework, you mustn't be a very good student. So it's almost like homework is serving a totally different purpose than actually learning. Well, and we're conflating motivation with aptitude. It's the same deal with grades. I mean, when I taught, like I started as a pretty traditional teacher. And then how do you do grades? Well, you grade homework. Well, then that means if you don't do your homework, you get a zero. Well, do a, do a little arithmetic. Like a zero, how many hundreds do you have to get for that zero to balance out to, so that you still have a decent grade? I mean, so your entire grade in the course becomes like, all right, am I giving an a, a grade based on how much the student has learned? Or am I getting a grade, grade based on how much effort the student has placed into the course. And there's this conflation there of motivation and aptitude. And it, because it makes sense, why would that historically have happened? Well, who are the historically most motivated students? The students who get it, for whom homework isn't an incredibly rigorous challenge, for whom homework isn't this burden of, oh my gosh, I can't do this. I, the other piece with homework, I mean, there's an there's an equity piece with it as well. And you look at the students who come from from homes where maybe I live in a small home and there isn't a quiet place to do homework. I mean, I was a principal several years ago on the Navajo Indian Reservation. Most of my students lived in one room hogans. There is not a quiet place to sit and do homework in that place, and it, it's not something that's necessarily if it's not valued in the home. Well, then the kids aren't gonna do it. Or I'm going home and mom and dad are both working and I'm taking care of the younger kids. I don't have time to do the homework because I have yep. other family responsibilities. There is a need for the school to have sort of a consistent policy in terms of time. I mean, how much time do we expect kids to be working on homework? 
And I don't know about your school, but to be honest, when I every school I taught at, we never had that global conversation. I assigned homework. I had no I had no idea how much homework the history teacher and the English language arts teacher I had no idea what they were all assigning. I just knew what I was assigning. I do remember I taught in one school where they had a rotating kind of you can only do tests on this certain days if you're a math teacher so that students wouldn't have eight tests on one day. So there was some kind of policy to make sure that students weren't feeling overwhelmed. And I've taught at five different schools, but I don't think that I ever had one that had a homework policy. I mean, in high school, it just gets all the worst, especially with kids that are involved. Not to make this too much about my own kids, but I mean, we struggle with that with our, our high schooler. I mean, she's a three-sport athlete, so she's in practice after school every day all year, and she's taken a pretty rigorous course load, and the kids just wiped out constantly. Sure. I mean, and like I know my sister's kids, they're up till like one o'clock every night, and then they got to get up at five to go to school. Like, so they're always tired because they are doing all their activities, and they come home and they do homework for hours. So all of that impacts, unfortunately who is actually doing homework and who isn't doing homework. Which then impacts who we're defining as students who have aptitude and students who don't. Exactly. There's got to be a balance. And I guess I guess if there is an issue, you need to first talk to a teacher. You know, what is your policy? Why are you assigning this much homework? Is there a way that we can work around it or do less? You know, there's teachers are usually very accommodating and willing to listen. I mean, we talked about who to complain to. This is a school principal level conversation because it's amongst departments. I mean, the reality is, unfortunately, schools tend to, high schools tend to get into their silos and teachers only usually interact even with their own, within their department. And everyone thinks their thing is really important including the coaches. It's like coaches like, well, we're in season that we need to, you need to be on the court so many hours a week. And anyways, it really is a coming around school leadership to figure out like, how do you, how do you organize your, your faculty so that they're more conscious of the fact that you may spend all your day thinking about math, but your students think about lots of things. And I know right now it seems that from my research, homework as evil and homework as good kind of goes up and down depending on, and it looks like political climate. I don't know if you found the same thing, but there's like waves of no one should have homework. Kids should go home and be kids. And all of a sudden something will happen and it's everyone should have homework. We need lots of homework because we're falling behind in the global world. So then there's lots of homework. So it's a very, um, and so the trend now seems to be don't do homework. Not don't do it, but don't assign homework or don't grade homework or don't whatever. That seems to be a, a trend I'm seeing in a lot of articles is why are you assigning homework and kids should be doing other things besides homework. I mean, the one thing I saw that there seems to be consistency, and, and I, I, I knew this for a while, this isn't new research, is that there is really minimal evidence of any um, learning value in homework for elementary school students. Right, I found that too. The The one I was reading was the impact on achievement for doing homework versus not doing homework is zero in elementary. So then you think, why why are we assigning homework? So parents, guardians, grandparents, your takeaway from that is if you have a student, an elementary school student who's a struggling learner and the teacher says, well, if Johnny would get his homework done, he would do better. The teacher is not telling you the truth. The fact that Johnny's not doing their homework is not the reason why Johnny's a struggling learner. But you can't just say that though, because this comes back to what you were talking about before, that there are teachers who are great grading the the homework so not necessarily grading it for right or wrong but grading did you do it so if you did not do it I'm giving you a zero so then yes if that if that is the case the student's not doing well because they're not doing their homework because homework's being graded so then you really need to be talking to the teacher and say you know why are you grading the homework what is the point of the grading so they can say yes your student has a poor grade 
because they haven't done their homework. Right. But to me, there's a difference between that and that your student is struggling to learn the material because he's not doing his homework. Those are two different statements. It's two different conversations. And unfortunately, the homework grade, if it is graded, impacts what we consider achievement when that's not really the case. So I don't know what the policies are or how you change those policies. There does seem to be a stronger trend for elementary school to get away from doing traditional grades as well. I mean, I don't know if that's true on the East Coast. I know it was true down when I lived in Texas and up in the Midwest where I live now. None of my kids in elementary school got letter grades. They were all standards-based grading, and which was less affected by the whole homework question. It was, can your student multiply two-digit by two-digit numbers or whatever? And so that, I mean, in terms of the, the grading piece, that's less affected by whether or not they're doing their homework, because you really are assessing, has the student acquired these skills? Now, when you get to middle school and high school, that's a whole different deal, because the kid's getting a letter grade or a number grade at the end of the course, and depending on how you weight homework as part of that, that definitely affects the grade. That's a thing we talked about in our last episode about, you know, what does the teacher control? The teacher controls what they grade in their classroom. So that's an important factor is check with your teacher, your student's teacher. Are they grading homework as a completion thing, meaning they did it or they didn't, or are they grading it as right answers, wrong answers? It, that really does impact how the homework is, is infecting the student's grade or achievement, those types of things. And once you get, especially when you get to high school, when you have transcripts and class rank and things of significance impinging on it, I really advocate that the school needs to have a consistent interpretation. I don't know if there is a right or a wrong, if it should be a completion situation or graded for achievement or for ability, but it needs to be a consistent across the board. Cause then you run into like, and I, I, I taught at a school where grading really was, they didn't call it this, but though with the requirements we had at the school, it really was an effort grade based on the ability to retest and turn in homework and how, how much of a grade had to be homework. I mean, and I just told kids straight up, if you really want to do everything you can do in this class, regardless of your aptitude, if you do everything that's asked of you and take advantage of every opportunity that, that we're required to give you, you're gonna get a B minus in this class without having learned any high school math. Well now, like we have what flipped classroom where the homework has a different purpose. If students go home and watch a video or maybe read something on new content and come back the next day having done that with questions and then they do the practice and the learning with the teacher after they've kind of been exposed. So then homework has a different purpose altogether. It's to introduce students to the new concepts and have them kind of try to learn on their own first and then come back with questions. So then if you don't do your homework, it's gonna be more difficult. I mean, as an educator yourself, what's your take on the flipped classroom? Positive, negative, in between? I am, I'm gonna say I'm probably in between because I think it can be really well done, but it can also be very poorly done. And then you have the problem of students who don't have that, because a lot of it relies on watching video, right? Of watching either the teacher teaching a lesson and the kids writing down things. So then you have that uh, equity issue of, what if you don't have internet access, how are you gonna watch these videos that are required, right? So I think it can be, I, I like the idea of flipped classroom. I think if I were still in the classroom, I would be trying it. So I think it's a great idea. It kind of helps the students discover and have questions on their own. Then they come back and they kind of collaborate together in the classroom. So it makes it a much more student-centered learning kind of experience. But I don't know that everyone who's doing flipped learning is doing it the best way they can. Well, and I guess because to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm far from an expert on this, but a part of it is like, all right, well, when I assigned homework, I never presumed or made homework assume that that would be part of the learning. 
because I couldn't know what access to the learning students were capable of having. And so to me, that's the same problem with a flipped classroom. Right. And that is that would be the biggest problem. So it's not going to work very well if you don't know for sure that all your students have some access to whatever it is you're making them do in the flipped environment. Usually it's watching some type of video. Not just the technology, but access to the content, the ability to listen or watch. I mean, I'm sure some of them are very engaging videos and animations and interactives and things along those lines. But if you cognitively can't access that content, then you miss out. And I guess the whole idea is then you go back to the classroom and then the teacher can work with you individually because now students are in class working at their own pace and not being required to sit there and listen to the teacher go over something that they already get. Like I get that value, but to me that's valuable in a traditional model. My bias is against a traditional model. I mean, and maybe it's possible and I just haven't seen it. So I, I don't wanna I don't want to throw out the idea altogether. I mean, it is a different type of homework. The student does the learning on their own and then comes back to the classroom where then they share what they learned and they work out their misunderstandings and those types of things. It's flipping the classroom. So instead of the teacher giving the lecture and then you go home and practice, you watch a lecture and come back into the classroom and practice. So it's reversing that. You're doing your practice and your applications with the teacher there to help monitor and guide. So this was under, I'm looking at your questions you sent, under this idea of alternatives to homework. And the next one you have is no homework at all. Which seems to be coming up a lot. I read a lot of articles lately where I've stopped assigning homework and there's the push to no homework on weekends because that's family time and those types of things. And I don't know if that's always the answer. I guess it kind of depends on, there's our, it depends again. It depends on your subject. It depends on the day. You know, there are days I didn't assign homework, but then there's days I assigned, you know, some really hard problems. I mean, some of the interesting articles too talked about, well, when students have to do homework and you talked about it in terms of the initial history, it's a control thing. So what are students not able to do because they're spending an hour or two doing homework a night? And I know when I taught in Texas in one school district, we were told like, you don't assign homework on Wednesday nights because we're in the Bible Belt and Wednesday night's church night. There's a family community piece of that. And just as our culture has evolved for better or for worse, so many youth activities now are so much more scheduled and organized than they were X, I say X because I don't want to talk about my age, X number of years ago when I was a kid. Now it's not you go and play touch football with the neighbors, you play on the youth football league and you have practice and kids have such structured lives. Like how much time do you have in the evening, even at a young age, come home and spend doing homework. So I've seen that as a parent, my youngest last year, they by a matter of a policy said they're, they're doing no homework. And I think that's what I've been reading. There's a lot of concern, a lot of parents saying, oh my child, child's doing hours and hours of homework and you know they're anxious they're tired that type of thing if you're feeling your student your child is got too much homework go talk to the teacher why are you assigning 50 problems tonight or I mean is it necessary and I remember this distinctly when I first started working with you we were at a training and you were talking to the teachers about homework and you were saying if you assign 40 problems and the idea is for the students to practice what they learned, what if they learned it wrong or didn't understand? So they go home and they do it 40 times wrong. They have just learned to do it wrong and that's going to be very hard to unteach, right? Right. So then not, not only do you have to reteach, you have to unteach. You have to unteach, right? So that's I, that has stuck in my mind ever since. And so that's why I'm always like, teachers, you know, when you're thinking about what to assign homework, really look at the problems you're picking. Don't just pick the odd numbers in the back. Be purposeful, right? Have a reason for picking problems and more is not necessarily better. You can have two problems that each have several different parts. That might be better than assigning 10 problems. 
it just has to be purposeful. I don't know that there is a right answer. I think you need to determine what your right answer is and be able to verbalize that and explain it, whether it's to students or to parents or to your colleagues. And it needs to be consistent within the school. This is why we're doing homework. Does a student have to do 40 problems? There is a value at some point in curriculum to the idea of needing repetition to develop a certain efficiency. And fluency is the word that math people will use, needing to become fluent. And the reality is that most of the standardized tests and definitely the advanced placement AP tests for high school students are time test. And so there is a need that students not only can solve a problem, but can develop a fluency to know how to quickly um, determine a strategy and implement that strategy. Now, what's the magic number for how many problems you need to have to get that? The, bump, the bumper sticker for today, it depends. <laughs> right. But what I don't understand is teachers who assign a lot of homework, many problems, knowing that most of the kids aren't going to do it and therefore their grade's going to suffer. I don't understand that kind of mentality. And it seems, and this is from my research, it said a lot of times homework is assigned to parents and to school systems that the curriculum is rigorous. And I just remember my daughter struggling with, you know, 40 of the same problem. Like, so they learned something in calculus and then they had 40 of the same problem. Why did you have to give 40? It seems unnecessary to me. And it comes back to what is the purpose of your homework? The purpose of your homework is to practice isn't 10 enough. Why would, why would you need 40? But it almost seems that the higher your class, the more homework you get because it goes back to that homework as a sign of a rigorous curriculum. And it, yeah, I, and I was the same way when you talked earlier about you only assigned one problem a night. I got was really popular and kids would come in and they'd see on the board homeworks problems one, six, and seven. Now, unfortunately, I taught out of textbooks that chose instead of numbering every problem, they would letter them. So like number one would be one type of problem and there might be one A through H. And it took the kids about a week to figure out that maybe I wasn't being such a great guy. Well, no, and the same for me. Like it might be one problem, but it was a problem that had 10 parts to it. So they were very purposeful because they were reviewing and applying. Hey, before we run out of time, I'm just curious. You had the question on here. If you assign homework, how do you go over it? How did you go over it? Again, that evolved too. Sometimes I would have the answers on the board. But, you know, if you're in a time frame when you have 45 minutes to teach or 50, uh, going over homework is going to take up most of that time. So you have to come up with different options. So there are a couple things I did kind of towards the end where like students would come in and they'd write the number that they wanted to see on the board and if it was already up there they'd put a check knock and so we basically would go over maybe one or two problems the ones that had the most checks because that was the one that they struggled with so that's how we started doing homework sometimes I would have them sit in uh, small groups pairs and compare their homework and then if they all couldn't help each other then they'd raise their hand and say hey we're all having problems with this problem so more of a collaborative kind of What's the problem that seemed to stick out for most of you? That's the one we'll go over. Yeah, that was my deal. I went over one problem every day. And this is the thing that got me into buying into exit tickets. This is teacher talk for the teachers who listen to this. Exit ticket is something you have kids do before they leave the classroom. Answer a quick question, do a quick problem, and they give it to you as they leave. Right, on a note card. Because if you wait till you get the homework and then you find out, well, the kids really didn't get the homework. Well, now you're trying to reteach on the fly. Right. I'd rather know the day before. So, I mean, we did exit tickets like one problem. They write on a note card. It was literally an exit ticket. I, I did not teach in a one-to-one -one world. I'm sure there are cool digital ways to do this now. Um, but I literally had... <laughs> Yes, I think there are. <laughs> I literally had note cards and it was their ticket out the door. And I actually, when I first started doing it, I didn't even 
and have kids put their names on it. I just wanted to get a sense, all right, did they get it? Now I did change and have to put their names on it because some kids would write not so kind things about me on their cards because it didn't have their name on it. Oh, that that can't be true. I, what? Sh shocking. I know. <laughs> shocking. Shock shocking. Shocking. Yeah, so I, I, I guess how to conclude this, like there is no, there is no answer. It depends is our best answer. Like, should you assign homework? It depends. What's your purpose? And does your kid have too much homework? It depends. Go talk to the teacher and, you know, that type of thing. But there is a consistent message, whether you're for teachers and for parents, be purposeful, know why you're doing it. If you're a parent, just ask the question, what is, what's the purpose? And there may be a very good purpose that you as a parent aren't seeing. And at some point, maybe you have to trust the professional um, to some extent. But I should, as a teacher, I should be able to articulate. Heck, for that matter, your students should be able to articulate. Teachers, especially teachers of older students. Like, if you're assigning homework, your students should be able to articulate why they're doing that homework. If the teacher is conscientious about homework, in my opinion, any part of their instruction, um, in an age-appropriate way, are explaining that to their, their students. So that I, as a parent, should be able to ask my daughter... Um, so why do you have, why are you guys doing that project um, that you're slaving over making using macaroni to glue together and make it? <laughs> so I guess that kind of our conclusion is homework has its values as long as there is a purpose behind it that connects to what the students are learning and it's going to help support them. So if you're not sure and you're having issues, find out what the homework policy is for your school. Maybe they don't have one. Uh, talk to your teacher or the student's teacher. Agreed. All right. So this is what we need to put in before we're done. The request for rating the podcast and putting reviews. If you haven't done that in iTunes and you're listening, we have a nascent listenership. And the way to build that out is when people write reviews, then we get upticked and it's a little easier for other people to find our, our podcast. So if you haven't done so, uh, please consider doing so and take a quick minute and uh, give us some thoughts. Plus, we're only on number six, so we have we have room for improvement. Yeah, we've got, what, 194 left to go. I'm not 194, 174 left to go. Oh, my God, I can't do the math. <laughs> <laughs> See, now this is Oh, the my God. Really... So right. embarrassing. Do not edit that out. You leave that in there. <laughs> do not edit that out. Yeah, so please. And we have our website. So you can either look at our stuff on the website or go to iTunes, but it, we'd love to hear some feedback and some suggestions for future uh, topics because uh, we're coming up with some on our own that we think are going to be pretty exciting in the future, but we'd love to hear what you want to hear. So feedback, reviews, we'd appreciate all of it. Thanks for listening. There will always be those who scoff at intellectuals, who cry out against research, who seek to limit our educational system. The educated citizen knows how much more there is to know. Knowledge is power, more so today.